Welcome to our show. The expansion packed, here we go. It's really fun and it's only begun. It's the expansion packed. What's up, folks, and welcome back to the expansion packed. My name is Heidi. And I built the Empire State Building. I'm Bridget. Oh, okay. Wow. Good for, I mean, what, what, what do I say to that? Congratulations. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. Um, and we are two long distance best friends attempting to keep connected through talking about tabletop role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons. And right now we're talking about Dimension 20's The Unsleeping City, episode seven. Um, but yeah, we're on episode seven. We need to talk about Pete. Or as I like to call it, Pete, for Christ's sakes, get your shit together. There are people's lives on the line. There's actual consequences. My guy. I think we maybe have different different opinions about this moment, but we'll, we'll get into it. Because uh, first, the first thing we have to do with any of our episodes is have Bridget bless us and honor us with a recap. Oh, are you ready for it? This, 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 this one is, uh... Ooh. I don't envy this you this task. This one's a doozy. There is a reason I have asked you to do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for this. Um, <laughs> oh. This is a precedent we began early on, and I'm happy I did that. Um, I mean, we did. <laughs> uh, I do want to say that uh, this this week's recap corner is sponsored by the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> not Ooh. really. They're not actually. Hey, mm-hmm. his. I don't. I don't know how I'm gonna tackle this one, my <laughs> Good luck. It's an RP episode, and it's a. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. It's a thick one. It's oh a my thick baby. God, it's two hours long. It's a thick one. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's get into it. Alrighty, I'm gonna count you down. Okay, three, two, one, go. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to the Recap Corner. Sophie has a new subclass, I guess. I don't know. We're gonna get into it. Uh, she's a hex warlock or something now. She's uh, and she's met this guy named Jackson, who she's uh, he's part of the Order of the Concrete Fist, which like helps protect uh, the Waking City from the Dream World. And now she's gonna become like a full fledged monk. It's very cool. Um, Alejandro shows up at the beginning of and flips out on Pete, and Pete's voices are really acting up. Uh, Ricky goes for a walk with a dog uh, <laughs> to try and find the key ends up in the financial district doesn't find it goes to work everybody's going to work uh, <laughs> it's fine uh, Robert ends up meeting up with Pete uh, somewhere uh, and they go to a vampire nightclub and uh, I don't remember what happened oh not oh, no. not the child comes and it's bad the child is dying <laughs> Oh my god. We got there in the end. My favorite part of that is Ricky went on a walk with a dog, which is the most casual way to describe what actually happened with Ricky. <laughs> Incredible. He went to I walk his dog. <laughs> he went to walk his dog, you know, his magical dog who's made of light. Yeah. Um <laughs> Wow. Okay, okay, okay. Great job, great job, great Thank job. Thank you. I love I, it's always so good. The moment, I think it was your intake of breath. 
I couldn't see you because my notes were covering it, but just mm. I heard an intake of breath that like signaled me, and I was like, I'm gonna skip everything and just go straight to Robert. It's like I'm gonna skip so many things and just go to the end. You know, it was a thick one. Let's let's jump in. Let's not waste any more time on it. Yeah. Uh, so our our gang uh, has fought the bugs uh in in queens uh and are dealing with the aftermath sophie is at two hit points yeah so she's not feeling great um and she and pete they're they're uh they ended the battle in the bar in the pub and she and pete decide to have a breakfast guinness as one does this is like the first time that like it's not the first time but like it just like drives home that this campaign specifically is very much about centered around consequences and it's a very cool because like you know especially when you're making content for um viewers and like an audience um you know you can get caught up in like the jokiness and be like i'm gonna throw in as many jokes as possible and this campaign almost fights that a little bit it like takes especially that, this episode yeah it takes it and goes like hey i need you to stop trying to make jokes because people are dying like yeah. that like there's a whole thing where pete starts like grabbing a drink and like keeps trying to like fill up his glass and alejandro shows up flips out on pete and like like everybody's like slapping them out of his hand yeah like i think three fully, different like, ones. i need you to understand that like this is not funny yeah like yeah to an audience member it's very funny but like yeah it's it's showing that this this campaign is very centered around like hey we need you to stay in the real in our world yeah and i think there's there's an interesting question to be asked around these sober people asking these two specifically not sober people understand the consequences of their actions yeah that is impossible yes to do yes uh so that they're that they are able to get through even a little is um is a miracle uh and especially in the way that they do it i like yeah so so everybody's pretty upset with pete um understandably especially because you know all of them are comedians and are here because it's a funny D D show but just because something's funny doesn't also mean that it doesn't have stakes and doesn't also mean that there isn't drama. Um, so Alejandro comes in and is pretty aggressive with Pete. And being Pete, from what we've already seen, has has daddy issues. Can't handle the <laughs> confrontation and the daddy issues. Especially when it's like an older man yelling at you. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, understandable for a lot of us, I think. So he's struggling with that. And so while Alejandro is trying to get through to him in this very aggressive way, he's also dealing with this magic he can't control because it's new to him. So Pete is like fighting these wild magic surges. And you and Allie is making the point to say, like, I understand, like, that, like, because Allie also as a player has to go, what's true to Pete? What's yeah. true to me? I understand what I need to do as a play as I know what I need to do as a player at the table, but I also know what Pete would do and respecting and making sure that those, that those things don't, um, 
don't fight against each other so hard that it's not fun at the table. It's Absolutely. A mean, it's a mean balance to do. And I think Allie does it really well. But yeah, everybody's pretty upset, rightfully so, all around. Pete and Alejandro and Kingston and everybody kind of is yeah, dude. frustrated. Pete's voices want to straight up murder Alejandro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not happy. They're like not happy. straight up, they're like, we can make him leave. Yeah, what we is can he? Make him what is he? Why does he think he can speak to you that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't fucking talk to you that way. You trying no, to fight, bro? <laughs> you trying to fight, then, bro? Trying to fight, bro? Um, and in the same moment, um, yeah, we we get the reveal that, um, fucking Emily Axford cannot get away from magic. She's got to get those spell cards. She's got to get her hands. On some spells, so uh, she's in, so hard <laughs> in taking the uh, in basically, um, Sophia accepts a pact with Lagrangata uh, for having saved Lagrangata's life. Has accepted a pact with Lagrangata and multiclassed. So uh, Sophia Bicicletta slash Lee is now a monk and a hexblade uh, hexblade warlock. Okay, um, yeah, so. So you can be multi-classed, but also have a subclass? So whatever class you have is okay. going to have a subclass. Okay. So if you multi-class, you're going to have a subclass. Like, okay. unless you only take a, one or two levels in something. Like, y- you get a subclass at level three. Okay. So unless you, you don't go that far, you're not going to get uh, that usually. Um, although maybe Warlocks you decided earlier, but... Um, yes, but yeah, basically yes. If you have okay. a class, you're going to have a subclass. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Interesting. Yeah, so she is now monk and a a warlock. Uh, so she now gets uh, two spell slots and a shit ton of cantrips. And uh, I'm so excited. It's great. When you get chill, she's going to start using them. It's, gonna, it's a good time. It's a good fucking time. Emily's just fucking nuts with spells, and it's amazing. I'm so excited. An absolute genius. There's a spell... I was like looking at, a, I have a, a deck of cleric spell cards, and I was looking at them one day, and there's this one, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically where you make a huge fucking disc that floats. And I was like, what the fuck are you going to do with that? What are you, what are you going to do with that? Like, what do you, what do you possibly what do you do? use? What do you possibly use a huge fucking disc for? And then... Not too long later, I was listening to not another D&D podcast, which she is in, and Murph DMs, and she used that fucking spell in the most genius way. So... <laughs> was it was it to play frisbee golf? No, it wasn't to play frisbee golf. It's a much bigger disc than that. Um, unless you were a giant, maybe. A sled. Nope, it wasn't for that either. Um, but a shield. Is what I all mean. It's Nope, it's much bigger than that. It is like a thing you can sit on and ride. Um, a shield. No, 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 no. A sled. Yeah, she, she multiclassed. And there's a really cute uh, interaction where where uh, Sophie says uh, that she basically said she's like going to wait around for Legrand Gata, like, like if they ever need her. Like she's here for them. And she's like, I'll be waiting, but not in a clingy, desperate way. <laughs> so cute. You don't want to be the crazy cat lady. You just want to have a cat. Yeah, and I can't remember. I think it was Lagrangata who said it, but um, uh, you are not the first woman to turn to a cat when her marriage fails. <laughs> I was like, that's too fucking real, dude. 
That's too fucking. Oh, I can't real. remember if Legrand got this as that or if Jackson or if it's says Misty. That. No, it's er, way earlier on. Oh, my bad. That's why my note is there. It's, she hasn't met Jackson yet. Then, so it's either Legrand Kata or it's Misty. I can't remember. It's one of them. I don't though. know. I don't um, know. yeah, it's way before she meets uh, uh, Jackson. So that's why I know it's not him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's multi-class. Cool. I love. That's one of the things I love about Dimension Twenty. Uh, they are not afraid to multi-class when it fits their story or just when they fucking want to. And I think that's great. It's so great. Uh, And we'll see more of it uh, as, you know, seasons go on. Um, Who else is going to multi-class? can't remember if anybody else does in this season, but I know in the next one for sure there's a good deal of multi-classing. Oh, Um, check your schedule, kids. You got multiple classes for the day. It's a really tricky thing to do because it's like, yeah, you could all be a level 10 character, but if you are, you know, five levels in Rogue and five levels in Barbarian, that's very different sort of character and a sort of way that you can handle things than, than if you are a 10, 10th level Rogue or something like that. Like, Hell so yeah. it's a, it's an, it's, I think it's intimidating for some people and I think Dimension 20 does it really well. So that's my compliment for today. <laughs> um, and then we get uh, some magic items. The one compliment. Yes, I will do no more and no less. Um, then we get some, some magic-y items uh, from the bodega. As the Legrand Gata kind of dissipates, uh, we get some fun magic stuff. So the ring and the compact are magic, obviously. And then Kugrash gets a magic everything bagel. Oh, the minute Siobhan said the bagel of infinite holding, I was like, <gasps> it's because it's so an everything many. bagel. Oh my God, <laughs> it's got everything. It's got everything and it can hold even more. You could put all the locks you want on it. Um, I mean, <laughs> hey, if you if you bake a bagel right, there are those little pockets, those little good, good little pockets that you can you just fit some shit in there. Fit some shit in there. The bubbly dough. You got some that bubbly. Good old bubbles. Oh, gotta get those bubbles. Uh, Fuck, I gotta get bagels. A... <laughs> this happens every time we talk about bagels. I know. Um, every time I need bagels. Every time. Never enough bagels. That's the that's the uh, lesson here. Um, the opposite. <laughs> the opposite of too many bananas. Not enough bagels. Opposite, not, never enough bagels. Coming um, to Disney. Disney. Um. There's a thousand hour energy, like a five hour energy shot, but it's a thousand hour energy that is given to Ricky because, sure, I guess he needs it. Um, he's he he and uh, I think it's Kingston who says it. He's the only one they can trust not to uh, misuse it, and I think that that's exactly true. That's um, and then uh, there's the Holy Grail laundry detergent uh, that goes to Kingston, and then Pete. Uh, Pete, Pete gets the golden, like, teeth grill, but then Cug is the one who puts them on. So I think Pete does get them back, but the nasty image of a rat man putting gold grill in his mouth is so heinous to match his golden crown. <laughs> well, it's also the question of, um, so Cug's a rat, and the, mm-hmm. the grill is human teeth. But magic assume. items... Magic it, items usually change fit? and fit you. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's bad rat teeth when he gets yeah. it back. Until then he it puts would change it in me. his mouth and it'll turn human. Oh, no. Yeah. It's 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 gross, 
it's gross even before that. The little Honestly. teethies. Oh, no. Those little teethies. Oh, those little um, teethies. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you think there's a rat tooth fairy? Uh, uh, Is it uh, Kagrash? Um, so my next note is, uh, (laughs) I was like, Uh, I don't know how to answer that. uh, Um, my next note is that the wizards arrive just before the police to help handle everything. So it's Alejandro, that's, um, that is Esther and Anna and Amelia. Um, Alejandro, like we said, is absolutely pissed. Um, and Alejandro in this moment attempts to use, then this is kind of the confrontation we were talking about. Um, Alejandro attempts to use telekinesis on Pete. Um, because there seems to be this theme from my perspective of Alejandro attempting to use his magic on Pete to, I don't know if it's him trying to intimidate Pete or he attempts to use these different things to control Pete. Like in that one, uh, in, was it last episode where he, or the episode before last, before the bug stuff, where Pete agreed to sleep at the, uh, at, at, was it the Chantry? Yes. Agreed to sleep where they could monitor Pete. Yes. And Alejandro attempted to, like, put him to sleep and, like, to do that, and it didn't work. So that's, in my opinion, Alejandro attempting to, in a way, control yes. Pete with his magic. Absolutely. And once again, Alejandro attempts to do that with Pete. He attempts to use telekinesis, and it does not work. Instead, Pete magic has a wild surge, and everything else in the bodega uh, begins floating around Pete. Um... Yeah, or there wasn't. There's no magic surge on that one. And then the voices start speaking to, to uh, Pete. And I wrote my, one of my notes is Pete is very triggered right now. <laughs> and honestly, Legit- he legitimately. Be. Yeah, legit. Like, it's just a rough, it's a rough situation. Um, and Pete excuses himself to stand outside and to smoke a cigarette. Ricky uh, knows that he needs to follow that locate object before he loses it. So he pieces out and he also summons a steed which is something that paladins can do and what does ricky choose not a horse not even like a cab like he chooses a dalmatian (laughs) he howls to the dogs of new york which there are many cute fucking dogs in new york so that's that's a thing for sure there are some good ass dog parks my dude there are some good dog parks so I went so to a Ricky corgi meetup most... one time. Oh, okay. Wow. It was amazing. That does sound amazing. We had to act like we had dogs because obviously you shouldn't be in a dog park without any dogs. Um, I don't know. But there were so many dogs just running around that we were just like, act cool. And then the dogs kept coming up to us. And there was an Australian shepherd corgi mix. Oh, no. It was. That's very cute. That's the. F- that's the best thing about corgis, guys, is like, no matter what you mix a corgi with, it's going to have the shape of a corgi, and, and it's but so it's cute. going to have the markings of whatever, like, other breed you bred it with. It's so, so cute. It was this tiny little stumpy little shit. I love it. With the beautiful coat of an Australian Shepherd. I've never met it and I love it. Well, our other favorite, too, was um, this 10-week-old corgi named Meatball. I wonder how Milk is doing. He had to be in his owner's hands because he couldn't play with the other dogs because he was too tiny. He would have been trampled. He was only 10 weeks old. 
That was mean. Why would you even bring him? Why he would wanted... you even do that? Because he wanted to be with the other dogs. He was having but a great time. But he can't play with them. Oh my god, he do was having re- so much fun. I don't know do Milk. Re- Who is Milk? Milk is the beautiful white little uh, bulldog that lived around work. And... <gasps> I do remember and that. It was dog. like a little tiny puppy, and we watched Milk grow up. I wonder how Milk is. I hope he's okay. I don't know. Oh, I miss a dog I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> enough about dogs. So, yeah, so. Uh, so uh, <laughs> enough about dogs. Let's get back to dogs. <laughs> Let's get back to dogs. Ricky summons a beautiful Dalmatian made of light who is the sweetest little thing in the world, and then Kugrush. Uh, decides to join them and turns into a nasty ass, nasty Dalmatian. The inbreeding nastiest. was <laughs> a little too much. It's a thing they... about purebred guys. The inbreeding <laughs> starts starts taking a toll. It gets rough. Um, huh, get it? Um, so they take off. So Ricky and Ox, A U X. And the Dalmatian and Kagresh take off. Um, Alejandro and Kingston and everybody else in the bodega, while Pete is outside, agree to uh, meet together later that day to have a important discussion about Pete. And Pete, speaking of, receives a message from Priya, Pete's ex. Um, God, I and hate And she her. asks... She asks to get coffee with him uh, without addressing any of the previous tweets or texts that uh, Pete has sent her. Um, and I love that for a while Pete leaves her on red. I think that's a bold and powerful move. I think and it's not gross. one everyone's strong enough to do. I think it's I a think good... it's also it's also petty, but you know. I mean yeah. yes. But it's it's, it's petty growth. growth. It's growth to the side. It's not it's not growth. It's adjacent. Up necessarily, yeah, it's adjacent growth. It's growth adjacent. And yeah. you know, any growth at all is growth. Yeah. But I, I hate Priya keeps using very specific language where like you try to sound too smart by using too big of words or like wor- like flowery words. Like yeah. she uses fucking splendid instead of splendid. K. Mm-hmm. You could just say, Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead it's splendid. Splendid. Oh, how wonderful. How how I can't think of any words anymore. I don't I don't remember exactly what she said, but she's pretentious. She says She's pretentious. She's I don't, pretentious. I don't trust her. That's the thing. Valid. I don't trust her. I think that's valid. Um my next note is Ricky is too hot to ignore. Ricky's too hot. Hashtag Beauty and the Beast. Hashtag March and December. Because it is so uh, funny that you say Beauty and the Beast, because I have a note about Beauty and the Beast, but later. Oh, interesting. Well, someone else says hashtag Beauty and the Beast, because the Beast is the dog, and he's the beauty. I can't yes. remember who said it in the episode, but somebody somebody says that, because they all start so, throwing out hashtags. Because, basically, he's too gorgeous to ignore. There's, like, no stealthing. And they explain in this moment, which I had told you about before, that... Uh, most uh, a lot of paladins wear plate armor, and so yeah. if you wear plate armor in D and D, it's shiny and it also clanks. So yeah. you have a disadvantage on stealth checks. So although uh, Ricky doesn't wear literal armor, he's so built that it's impossible to ignore. So that's why he has uh, he's also disadvantage. Running at the speed of a giant dog. <laughs> well, it's not a giant dog. It's just a normal dog. 
He's running at the speed of a normal of dog. Of a dog. <laughs> of a very fast... He's running very fast and is impossible to ignore because he's so hot. Yes. Um, at some such point... Such a funny moment. I don't know if I just imagined this, but I feel like at some point he lost his shirt while running. <laughs> I think so. I don't it's think it's ever said, hot. but... I don't... I, I imagine that too, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he gets down to Wall Street, and there's a faint aura of death. And my joke was, well, you know, people with corporate jobs are dead inside normally. <laughs> I was and you like, can say the same thing for, like, yeah, I was just anybody about to who's say. been in a Broadway show for, like, more than five years. <laughs> anybody who works in any job truly is just like, uh, yeah. This yep. sucks. <laughs> Anybody who anybody who's not doing what they want to do in life, sure, um, who's been doing the same thing for too long. Yes, um, but this death is different than the normal personal death that people suffer on a daily basis in New York. Yeah, and so this is death, death. Some bad. So Ricky makes note of it, and he makes sure to tell everybody else about it too. But he's not able to find. Um, to find the the key uh so instead he has to go to work and brennan also reminds everyone that like unlike a normal D party where you don't have jobs you just are adventurers these people are real people and they have jobs and uh, you know it's new responsibilities. york city baby mm-hmm. except for cutgrass um, everybody go to else work. has everybody else has jobs and responsibilities and things that they need to achieve uh but before they separate um we find out that pete is an android user which makes total sense um <laughs> we find and they have the they finally have the discussion sure mm-hmm. they finally all have discussion about lazarus um m lazarus or emma emma lazarus versus lazarus from the bible and sophie makes the uh there's a bit of misty she quotes the 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 poem misty knew emma lazarus no surprise there um and sophie points out well maybe it's both maybe it does have maybe it does refer to both and it doesn't just mean one this is why i love emily because she and i both you are on the same wavelength we Mm -hmm. are on the same brain wave we always go hey what if it's this Mm -hmm. i'm gonna throw out something crazy and i'm gonna keep trying until i get it right yeah man yeah man and good for you because that's how you, that's how you, that's how you learn shit. You try yeah. you until you succeed. Take a chance. You uh, keep yeah. trying. As and Abba so, said, take a chance. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was quoting. Um, I do have a question, though. Yeah. And this will this tie into maybe a theory later. Um, mm-hmm. Are necromancers a thing in mm-hmm. D&D? Okay. So there are um, different schools of magic. Uh, So, and this specifically ties into like wizards usually, but just in general, different magic can have, uh, can be from different schools. So there's abjuration, which is like shielding and uh, creating barriers and things like that. There's uh, like transformative magic. There's divination, so a dime. Um, divination divination and then there is necromancy there's necromancy as well cool, but cool, cool, the cool, thing cool, about cool. necromancy in D too is that it's not 
it's not it's it is often looked at as an evil magic um but necromance necromantic magic for example can also be like a resurrection spell or revivify yeah, it's like, like those are that's necromancy pushing daisies yes exactly exactly it's like lee face and pushing daisies yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love that show um yeah at this know. point sorry i interrupted you no, do you I have said, more to say? No, I just said, yeah, you know, but I do have another question. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, are there, so so kind of piggybacking off of necromancers, um, are there like, this is going to sound weird, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. Are there blood wizards? <laughs> is there blood what magic? What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. There are necromantic wizards. There are liches. What? What's a lich? So, a lich is uh, undead. Usually okay. uh, any evil alignment. So, uh, you know, chaotic, lawful, neutral. Um, they're very... They tend to be pretty powerful. Okay. Um, like, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. So, there's different, like, challenge ratings. Um, this... This like basic 5e lich that i'm looking up right now is a 21 uh challenge rating um so it's pretty high um pretty powerful they're able to cast ninth level spells that's the highest level of spell that you can cast okay um and yeah that's all i really want to say about liches um but yeah liches are is there a spoiler in there somewhere um, not in this description of a lich. You are welcome to look up Lich 5e if you would like to learn more. Um, I just don't want to sit here and read off a stat block. Um, oh, that's fair. That's basically. Fair. Uh, but there are, like, m- there are, are, are more details about their abilities and things like that. From what I know okay. of a lich, I believe that they, that they are, like, a necromantic wizard that went too far. Okay. Came undead. And has all of these abilities and all of these other things that go along with it because of that. Okay. This will, Does that answer this will, that question? Yeah. This will tie in a little bit later. Uh, but now it will. we'll go we'll go back to uh We'll go we'll go back to so, Misty at rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, so they all break apart and they all go to do their, their daily duties, whatever they need to do. And Misty has to go to rehearsal and she's not very prepared for rehearsal. So, unfortunately, she rolls, like, a 13 on her performance check, and so she's stumbling through this and rehearsal. Guys, and it's just so with, cringy. That's with a 10-plus advantage, so she rolled a she 3. Rolled three. <laughs> rough. Like, that's a rough roll. Rough yeah. roll, dude. Rough, rough roll, man. And this rehearsal is just a little too real, you know, being in theater, um... Mm-hmm. Dealing with high-level celebrities who aren't doing well in rehearsal, Siobhan yep. acts, it, acts it pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost like she has experience dealing with, with high-level celebrities not doing mm. well in a rehearsal or something. I wonder. I wonder. But yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, honestly, so cringy. I was so tempted to skip it. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so she's pretty cringy in rehearsal. Um I feel for her assistant. Feel I love her assistant. I and love her penis, Misty. Her companist. I love Misty because Misty's not like 
Because her, her assistant just comes up out of nowhere. She does interrupt the conversation and is like, hey, like, I have these flowers that you asked for. And she's like, cool, we're, like, talking. And her assistant is immediately, like, I'm so, like, profusely apologizing. And instead of just being like, it's okay, Misty sets a boundary and goes like, hey. I don't know if it's setting a boundary. <laughs> like, yes it's and maybe no. the negative way. Yeah, it's like a negative boundary setting because like i'm all for like i think it's the conversation to be had later is is where the negative part of it comes in yes. like her saying like let's not do this again like don't into like don't like when i'm talking with someone else i wouldn't like you to do this sort of thing is fine she's her boss but like in the moment right there where that other person's sitting in front of you is like oh no i feel uncomfy yeah I mean, it. yeah, that's why I put, Misty, I love you, but Lord, I feel for your assistant because I have been in that position of, oh, like, you're not wrong, but also, ah. Why'd you have to say it like that? Why'd yeah. you have to do me that dirty? Yes. Yeah. It's a roughin', but, um, but, but she'll, she'll be fine. <laughs> um, next, uh, next I have Cug. I do too. So Cug decides to swing by his son David's house because he assumes he assumes David is is at work um my next note is rats are gross uh because we learned that rats and you know at some some point somewhere in my brain I knew this but that rats only need a space that's as big as their head for them to get into places aren't cats just, the same way cats are the same way yeah and uh, it's just so heinous I love it because yours was of disgust. My reaction was, oh, Brennan, that's a good word. <laughs> Cartilaginous? Sure, I think good that's Good shit, guys. Yeah. Good shit. That's a good word. Also, yes. it's spelled exactly the way you think it would be spelled. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. English I, is stupid, so... Because I, I spelled it out, and it was it was nice. Oh, that how yeah. fun um inside david's home uh david's wife is home uh somewhere in the house but he's able to kind of sneak around and uh he rolls a natural 20 our fucking murph he rolls does. a natural 20 he gets Absolutely another natural 20 because he got a natural 20 yeah. at the bodega for the bagel so like yes murph yes. finally is rolling he's having a good one he's yeah. on a literal roll uh multiple rolls Um, and so he begins to look up information using, uh, David's, his access through David's files and things like that to look through his old stuff, uh, from when he was Bruce Cugrich, uh, and finds information about Robert Moses, Uh, our Robert. So I just want to point out that David hunts down white collar criminals as a lawyer. So yeah, daddy issues. I'm going to put... I'm going to put this down, and I'm scared that this is going to happen. Uh, uh-huh. David's going to go after Robert, and Robert's going to retaliate, and Kagrashi's going to be caught in the middle of it at some point. I'm scared for the theory. kids. I'm scared for I David know. and Wally. Those adult children. <laughs> um, those adult children. Um, but yeah, we find some more information on Robert Moses. Robert Moses yes. is a 
powerful New York staple, like historical figure in New York. Which, fun fact, he's a real person. <laughs> and he's he is. He's a real person. And he is. He, he's a real dude. Dude, it was so, honestly, it was so funny. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I heard that name, I was like, wait, that's a real name. And I immediately looked it up, and it's it's funny because I know him specifically from when I was doing dramaturgical work on mm. the play I was writing about the building of the Empire State Building. There you go. Because it had a lot about the like architecture at the time, and I was looking up um, New York in the 1920s, 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, so his name gets dropped a lot, and then on top of it, there's the Robert Moses Building, and new york city somewhere and his name's all over the friggin place yeah everybody major major figure in new york yes um, and still alive in the unsleeping city still alive in the unsleeping cities dead in real life mm-hmm. it's very dead in the real life it's been dead <laughs> for a while <laughs> that we well, know of no that we should know. Um, that we know of. hey it could be a walt disney move <laughs> Could be cryogenically oh, frozen somewhere. No, thank you. Keep that anti-Semitic away but from anyway. me. But anyway. Um, but Robert, uh, so he's got a firm that's called O'Neill, Dwyer, Burns, and Moses. Um, so A lot of names. It's actually interesting because I then also looked up the Empire State Building and the Moses family has a law firm uh, that actually is in the Empire State Building. Uh, hey, yo. They're lawyers for matrimonial things, from what hmm. I saw. But yeah, fun fact, guys. Fun um, facts. Not those names. Very like, very different names, but also Moses. But yes. So now I'm going to cool. look at those names and figure out what it means. <laughs> who's O'Neill, who's Dwyer, who's Burns... And or like, is it an is it an acronym? Andibum, andibum, andibum. Don't know. You're gonna you get knocked on your bum. Oh shit! Those fight words. <laughs> You're gonna get knocked on the bum. You're gonna get knocked on the bum. Um, next thing he kind of finds, unless you have more to say about our dear Robert, is yes. David's. Okay, okay. Um. So. You know, in real life, um, he was known as the Master Builder, um, which they touch on a little bit uh, with the uh, the roads and highways and infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that Brennan uses some actual facts of like how he had a had a hand in a lot of things. And the real Robert Moses actually ha- held twelve different positions on different councils and boards, but was never like publicly elected so insane it's fascinating if you guys feel like it read up about robert moses it's actually very cool and i can't wait to see what other like truths half truths are used uh for this D campaign uh and then i want to cry heidi take it yeah. away sure in this moment uh kug finds david's letter that he's written to his dad and it basically says, my, my, I wrote slash absolutely brutal, underlined brutal like a few times. Um, because this is a letter that David has written to his dad for when David dies. He's like, hopefully, 
you show your fucking dirty face at my funeral, that you're at least able to do that. And he just absolutely tears into Cug. So I obviously didn't write down the full letter here. The, 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 the main crux of it is that he's, he's pissed at his dad and he's going to make it his life goal to take down men like his father and to never be a man like his father because now he has kids and he does not understand how Cug could have done what he did to his sons and ooh, I got a little emotional <laughs> it's it's brutal it's brutal it's it's yeah. so brutal and it really I think the the point of it other than like Brennan wanting to make his friends cry the point of it as well is to show us as viewers like we love Cug. We love him. We do. But Bruce did something very wrong. And we don't really know what it is yet, but it's bad. And he was not a good father for the times that he was there. And then he was gone. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what that was. If he'll ever have any sort of interaction with David or Wally any further than he already has. Oh, I 100% um, think so. I think it's going to come to a head eventually. When's the, sh when's the other shoe going to drop? When are they going to see him? And be like, hey, it's revealed. Because, hey, guys, yeah. I'm a rat. Hey, I'm a rat. Because hey. uh, as someone who comes home, which David's wife was already home, so it must be David, uh, Cug bails. He pieces out uh, yeah. from the house. Uh, and I we switch to Kingston. Wait. Yeah, before we go. This is some Beauty and Beast shit. This is okay. where I got the Beauty and the Beast moment because I feel uh. like what's happening is some kind of thing of like something happened the Cug like was turned into a rat by like somebody to be like you know you're a rat in real life so I'm gonna turn you into a rat as like physically um, until you prove yourself that you've you've changed your ways. Yeah. I want to know what the fuck's happening with this rat. <laughs> yeah, man. This little rat man. He's got a big past. I want him so. to to be on a ballroom floor dancing with Perry the Pigeon in a yellow ball gown <laughs> as Angela Lansbury <laughs> fucking sings her heart out. Has no one ever done that? I don't know if I've ever seen anyone do that, and it must be done. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm what gonna have incredible... to draw it, aren't I? Yeah, I think you are, dude. I'm really yeah. sorry. God what damn. an in what an incredible wow. This is the burden I bear. This is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Welcome to my mind. Wow. Oh my god. Anyway, anyway <laughs> so now we go to Kingston, who goes to work. Uh like the responsible man he is. Um, after that, he goes downtown to go meet with Epona, uh, talk yeah. to her, give some details about the Santa incident. Um, he also gets to pick out the pixies, uh, who he believes are connected to the Santa incident in a lineup where we also meet a shit elemental. It's a feces elemental who looks like Buddy, a emoji. the excrement elemental. Who really just needs Cug to come help him. Uh, so, uh, Kingston's gonna share that message with Cug. 
because uh, this guy needs some representation and, and Cug's the guy to do that, I guess. I do uh, I do find it interesting. Uh, Epona says it um, when Kingston's checking in. Because he's the Vox Populi, he doesn't have to be sworn in. Like, he can be mm-hmm. sworn in if he wants to, but, like, he doesn't have to be. And I just found that interesting. He's the voice of New York. Yeah, that makes sense. He speaks, he speaks for New York. So, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. And yeah. so she does some questioning, asking him some questions. And then we meet Liz Herrera, the district attorney. Who looks very familiar. Who looks very familiar. Um, and they have a tumultuous meeting, to say the least. A lot of yelling, a lot of pausing of the recording to yell at one another. <laughs> um, this is his ex. Uh, this is his ex-wife. It's his Liz. ex-wife. And, uh, his ex-wife. I love uh, the minute she walks in and sits down um, <laughs> and they start kind of talking, like, because Kingston's already upset that she's trying to call him Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown um, Mr. instead of Kingston. And I just love Epona's line of, I'm going to fully go. Yeah. <laughs> a, a very smart choice. I'm going to fully go. Knowing the history that I'm sure she knows and the the absolute, like, thick Hurricane. air that's in that room. Ooh, cut it with a knife. Yeah, Truly, truly cut it with a knife. Um, so they, they have a, a tense discussion. And we, we learn that she is unhappy about her position now because she has to work in the unsleeping city for some reason and it seems to be because of kingston because of her relationship with kingston or her bond with kingston she uh she now is entrenched in the unsleeping city although it seems she's not magical at all yes um i do have a question yeah um what remind me what happened with the mummy again like what what did they end up doing with the mummy we don't really know Okay, we don't know yet, because they keep bringing it up more and more, as I've noticed in the past couple episodes. So I'm wondering if that's going to become a little little play uh, into things, uh, or if the mummy's going to come back. In other words, does the mummy return? Is it oh, the God. mummy returns? <laughs> okay, yeah, Brendan Fraser arrives. It's great. I wish. Um, I know, me too. Um that would be really great. But Don't then we tease go... that. <laughs> then we go to Sophie. Uh, we, we zoom over to Sophie, and Sophie texts uh, her brother uh, for when to meet. Yes. Just real quick. In uh-huh. the transition of this, uh-huh. Brennan says my favorite line of the episode. Oh. And it's not even a line. It's just a, a throwaway quote that he says is, mm-hmm. you can't do a campaign about New York and not have people's lives be fucking miserable <laughs> <laughs> too true brennan i was like too true damn especially damn. on a on a monday on a monday god god Rough. so yeah now we're gonna go continue with what you were saying about going to sophie yes we go to sophie and she texts her brother because she really needs to talk with him about the unsleeping city and stuff they still haven't had that conversation yeah. before she stops at a drugstore uh, to grab some Christmas stuff, and then also she looks. She starts to look for self help books at I'm supposing a Dwayne Reed, which isn't out of the question. I believe Dwayne Reed and CVS have like oh, yeah, a small they got book, book section. Aisles. Yeah, absolutely, they got, they got book a small aisles. book section. Um, I put um, it's uh, chicken noodle soup for the soul. 
Oh, no. She's looking uh, for that chicken noodle soup. Self-help for dummies. <laughs> She's looking for chicken noodle soup for the soul for recently divorced for recently divorced for middle-aged women or i don't know if she's middle-aged but recent divorcees um for sure god i forgot those books were a thing um and while she's in (laughs) how could you ever forget in my library in private catholic school there was a whole section in our library for chicken noodle soup for the soul books and they were all different books there were some that were gendered there were some that were teen books there were some that were for younger kids oh they subcategorized the shit oh. out of those chicken noodle soup for the soul books yeah yeah i knew that i i did know that but that's just so many so many to have in one place uh anyway she meets jackson um she runs into this man and he's kind of um he's giving her shit for looking for self-help books in in a Dwayne reed uh they never say it's a Dwayne reed but i put that in my mind that's Dwayne where reed. i put it's them fantasy um, Dwayne reed it's fantasy Dwayne reed um and so he's giving her a little bit of shit and they have a little discussion and then he says to her it is what it is and, and she goes ding, off. ding 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 what what did you say to me someone said that to me before and like they have more of a discussion and then they start just fucking fighting they just start fucking fighting yeah because because the grand the grand gata shows up on jackson's shoulders for a second and is mm-hmm. like hey what the fuck and then they start yelling at each other being like who the fuck are you yeah and then they start fighting with their fists hell as yeah well. that's Physical what you fight in a twain rate in a drugstore um and uh she learns that Jackson is from a monastery. Uh, he is of the Concrete Fist, um, and he invites her to come to come visit it. Uh, although it is uh, far away, in a place no one likes to go, Staten Island works out perfectly. Right across from Spaghetti's Bakery. I I want you to know. The minute he started talking about the monastery of the Midnight Sun, and the minute he said it's, like, in a faraway place that only the best people, I wrote down, oh my god, is it in Staten Island? And then immediately, <laughs> five seconds later, ah, it is. Yeah, yep, it's Staten yeah, Island. It is. It sure is. Yep. Uh, apparently, the Wu-Tang Clan studied there with uh, Method Man, who was one of Jackson's uh, best students. And, oh, yeah. You know, that... That really says some great ass things about the monastery of the Midnight Sun, because those are some sweet ass people, some sick people. Hell yeah, you fucking know it. Yeah. Um, only the best. Only the best, though. Uh, so they they begin to make their way to Staten Island to yeah, to go. She's gonna go visit the monastery. Yeah. Um, see what it's what it's all about. She's gonna get some training some training uh we go we then go to pete and pete is uh prepping to go meet priya uh and by that we mean getting a tattoo (laughs) yes and by that we mean getting phantasma on his knuckles phantasma with an f with an f and asthma and a, a back tattoo right was it also a back tattoo, too? I thought so. Of what? I don't remember, because he's, like, flexing his back at one point. 
I don't remember there being a back tattoo, but maybe I just missed it. But there's just definitely the phantasma. Yes. That's the thing, because then also she can see it. And he knows it's not cool, but he also is like, this is the, this is the, this is the thing that... Well, uh, she also thinks the worst things are cool. So, like, who knows? Who knows? She might, she might be like, "Wow, that's really artistic." I get, uh, I get it. Except uh, for the F, she doesn't get that. No, um, no, not at all. Um, so he goes to meet Priya at at the exact same coffee shop where they had their first date. So that's a great idea. Um, and she's there, and she's beautiful, and. She is how she is described to Pete. She's the worst. Um, she's also the worst. She's just absolutely the worst. It, what kills me is the is the vague Mickey Mouse mouse that has like on her shirt that says "Kill me." Yep. <laughs> wow, so artsy. Oh my god. Wow, so artsy. Capitalism Death to capitalism. Wow. Death to capitalism. Hey, uh, by the way, I'm going to have an art gallery uh, that I'm going to charge you a shit ton of money for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We remember yeah, where she lives. Death to capitalism. But yeah, death to capitalism. Um, which is why she most likely does not have a job and just creates art. Because <laughs> she probably has mommy and daddy money. Um, just playing off of stereotypes here. Uh, in this, the the bright spot in this interaction is the best barista in the world, which is the barista of this coffee shop, who offers Pete, as, as Pete comes over, emotional about the situation, offers Pete the crying booth that is crying in the back. Crying booth! The crying booth that is in the back of the coffee shop, um, where he says, every, I'll cover for you. <laughs> every establishment needs a crying booth! They do. They truly do. And then also he just ends up like cuddling Pete yeah. as Pete cries, holding, holding Pete as Pete cries. We talk Which, about, uh, we talk about the masculinity beautiful. and masculinity means uh, very different things to a lot of people. And, uh, one of those things should be, uh, letting out caring. your emotions. Yeah. And caring for each other. Yeah. Being empathetic. Um, that should be a human trait. Um, but Priya and Pete, uh, after after Pete has a good cry, uh, they have a little chat. And Priya lets Pete know that she saw him in her dream. And she thought it was a... She spoke with her therapist and thought it was a sign that they needed clo- I put in closure. All caps. I put in all caps, Priya, this is not what your therapist meant. No, it's really not. This is um, not. It's just the worst... Um, so she invites Pete to her, her next art show. Yes. But, okay, here's something that I keep saying, too. A little bit of a theme. Mm -hmm. So she says something about, I want to see what our roles are to play in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. That phrase keeps being brought up in a lot of episodes, is you have, like, a bigger role to play, or you have a role, like, some variation of that. Yeah. And Legrand Gata said it earlier in this episode to Sophie. Well, it is also just very interesting because Misty is in the middle of doing a role in a play as an actor. I'm connecting the dots. Uh, no, no. What is the? What is the? Have you didn't connect the dots. shit. <laughs> you didn't connect shit. <laughs> Sometimes things I, are also I've just connected things. them. But that is a you know. 
yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's a theme. Yes. Also, I predict I, I either we're not going to get to the art gallery or we are going to get to the art gallery and something bad is going to happen at the art gallery because something I don't trust Priya at all. I think bad. I think she's known she she knows that Pete's the Fox Phantasma because why like Brennan like plays like a whole joke of like the tattoo artist not knowing what Phantasma like talks about like oh you have asthma like this weird like people well, don't normally know what a Phantasma is and like why does she automatically be like you know Phantasma spelled with a ph it's like I, I don't know. That was just suspicious to me. I think it's. I think the asthma thing was just because it's like it's on your knuckles, so it's not one word all all the time. Sometimes it's like this, and like I'm being suspicious. See. I understand. Uh, yeah, sure. Be suspicious. I'm suspicious of everybody. I'm suspicious of Alejandro because he's acting weird. And I'm suspicious of Priya because I don't like her. <laughs> anyway, back to Kingston and Epona. Yeah, I think that's supremely valid uh, to not have trust, especially by the end of this episode. We, yeah, yep, yep. Um, but speaking of Epona, um, she's being super sketchy with Kingston. She wants to get information on the new, uh, you know, the new folks brought into the Unsleeping City, Pete and Ricky and all them. Uh, so she's asking a lot of questions, asking if, uh, you know, he can let her know about about things and kingston immediately he's got a high wisdom so he immediately uh, understands uh not necessarily what she's doing but he he sees that it's weird and is yes. instead like well why don't they just come down here like i did like why don't you just ask them to come down like they would do that like just he's very uncomfortable with giving her more information yeah. on them uh, and specifically um they're outside they're no longer in city hall so it's like even more like yes. unprotected like you don't know who's listening and she's very much asking about pete and even is like goes so far as to say like where where could i find him mm-hmm. it's like oh why you, why do you want to know you want to kidnap the boy oh no the boy do not, do not kidnap the boy uh, next we jump over to Ricky, who's at work at the firehouse, uh, and he's working out with the three Johns, with who all are the, the best. All the Just, Johns. as someone who has, who knows a lot of Johns in my life, uh, this is relatable. Um, although none of them are as wonderful as the three Johns are uh, at the firehouse. And they are talking to, at first they're kind of giving Ricky shit about Ricky texting a lot. And then they start talking about Esther. They're they're being really su- they're being so supportive. It's so sweet. Himbos supporting himbos. We love to see it, oh. and we need more of it. We fucking love to see it. And they're so they're like, oh, she's like she's educated. She's like intellectual. Like what? Like they're asking. I just love it. I just think it's so sweet. I just think yeah. it's so sweet. <laughs> it's cute. It's a very cute little scene. It's cute little scene. Very cute little scene. So now, and, uh, yes. Where I was just gonna going? say, I was just gonna say it's like it. It had been hinted at throughout the, throughout the the show that uh, Ricky had feelings for Esther, and now confirmed, Ricky it's has cute. feelings for Esther. It's so cute. It's so cute. Um, Sophie's made it to the top of the ladder, uh, and everything is floor. Everything e- is floor. Everything is floor. It's like some David Bowie labyrinth shit. 
Where, so like, she can walk on walls. Like, uh, God, what is the name of that song that he sings? I can't remember, but it's like an M.C. Escher painting, except not because it's just sidewalks. Yeah, there's like gum. It's nasty New York sidewalks. Yeah, and there's a <laughs> yin-yang symbol um, mm-hmm. that's made of gold with grime and soot, and then the other one's purple, pink, uh, with star energy, and it's it's the dreaming and the waking world. And mm-hmm. like like we've been talking about, the, the, the theme of the campaign is about balance. Yeah, and that's, all about that's balance. F- the the jokes and the the consequences the dream world and the waking world mm-hmm. everything's connected yeah. wow so then we go to kingston's because they're all gonna talk shit about pete <laughs> yeah everyone because it's the it's the title we need to talk about pete so everybody meets at kingston's to have a discussion about pete talk about what they're gonna do um they're all very concerned that Pete is so nonchalant and not taking this seriously. Um, Sophie makes some very good points, in my opinion, that Pete is brand new to this, brand new to magic, brand new to all of this, and I don't think it would be very welcoming to be so aggressively treated. Yeah, Kingston is, like, fully shutting him down, dude. Yeah, because they're kind of like, the the. it comes down to, they, they kind of, put it out there and say it bluntly what happens if pete's wild magic goes wrong and gets people hurt what do we do and kingston is very blunt he's like if you're asking me to choose between pete and the people of new york city i will choose people of new york city 10 times out of 10 yeah and if he needs to put down pete he's gonna put pete down which is and wild wild he's dedicated to to his job and i think Everybody else makes some very lovely points. I think it's I think it's Ricky who says, "Yeah, well, I'm devoted." What? Everyone, Misty, Misty wants Misty is <laughs> the one who doesn't. Misty's Misty wants trying to, to get hide him away. locked in a cave. <laughs> yeah, in a crystal cave, not a great one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sophie Cug and Ricky are the ones who make more empathetic points. Sophie yes. is coming from a side where she's like, "I'm, I'm." although not as magical as Pete, on the same level of Pete as my understanding of all this. So as if I was her, I would be, like, so fucking scared. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm sure I don't have the power and magic that Pete has, but, like, what if... Now she's got LeGrand Gata, like, what if that happened and she had more power um, and they all started to say this about her? Yeah. That I would I would be scared like that. So yeah. I wonder if that's on her mind a little bit, but she's quite empathetic to Pete. And then Ricky says something that I think is perfectly apt and is kind of boggling that Kingston doesn't compute um, and isn't thinking about in this moment where he's really upset. So Ricky says, yeah, I'm a paladin of New York. Like he's a, his, his dedication is to civic duty he's an oath of civic duty to the to new york city and the people of new york and that includes pete pete's included in that pete is also if pete is enough of a new yorker to be the voice of new york dreaming of the dreaming of new york then he's a new yorker and he should be included in it it's just a very it's an all-around very upsetting moment yeah and i think i think that's important to have in this in this season i i i love it but it's difficult 
is difficult. Um, so that's kind of the that's kind of the discussion that they're having, and it's a hard one. Um, then we switch to Pete, and I love there's a moment where I think it's right after Kingston really says what like he says, like he makes like the point, and it's like period, and then the camera cuts and we see Allie's reaction. It's like, and then yeah. Allie, so much credit to them, is such a great role player for being as new to this as they are. That, like, they then don't take it into the next scene because they know that they don't know that. Yeah. Like, Brendan doesn't have to ask Allie to leave the table, like, for the discussion that there that Pete isn't present for. And Allie then doesn't act like they know that until they do know it. You know what I mean? So, like, it's not everyone would would be able to do that. And I think it's a, especially when it's, like, such a high emotive moment, like, I I would, if I was Allie at that table, I would probably be pretty worked up hearing my friends talk about me like that. So, Absolutely. kudos. Kudos to Allie in that moment. I think that was, I think that that's brilliant. But Pete, um, Pete is trying to track down Robert Moses. Yeah. And before that, uh, they kind of, uh, Pete's able to track down, uh, knows where Robert Moses works, and then also got some information from someone about where Robert would be on this particular day. Um, but before they go to do that, they plan to meet up with Anna and Amelia, um, Alejandro's granddaughters. So Pete meets up with them. Specifically, um, Brennan says, on a street corner. Would it just find to be so funny? Just a street corner. Just a street corner. <laughs> yeah. There's many. So, you know, just have your pick. Also, um, they're not very big. <laughs> There's a no, lot of people not. crossing all the time. You don't want to I get know. in anybody's way. People, people. They're probably flush against a building. You know. Yeah, because otherwise, doing oh the my respectful God, it thing sucks. So annoying. If in you way. stop in the middle of the, don't Ugh. do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do Treat it. Treat your body like a car. You're not gonna stop in the There's middle traffic. of the interstate. No, no, no. You're not gonna you're do not. it. You're not going to do a full stop because otherwise somebody's going to total your car. Yeah. Why would you stop in the middle of the sidewalk when you know get there is someone walking behind you? Mm-hmm. Pull yep. over. Pull over. You pull over to the side of the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, but Pete meets with Anna and Amelia and they warn Pete, our grandpa's pretty pissed. You shouldn't come around. Like, you got to yeah, give him some time. what the fuck, dude? And then they, they like, kind of, Yeah. They, like, straight up say, like, hey, you should, like, stay away, like, you should stop hanging out with our grandfather, like, altogether after a point. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? I mean, I told you he was sus, dude. They're they're saying Alejandro's pissed. Alejandro's pissed at Pete. So they're saying give him space, is what I interpreted that as. Um, They also say uh, that... You know, magic and and the unsleeping city and that stuff comes first. Yeah, the society, the the cult society, that comes first. Yeah. Yep. Um. Then they kind of peace out. They they disappear. And uh, Brendan asks Pete to do a percep- perception check. And of course, Allie gets a natural twenty. Nat as twenty, Allie, baby. As Allie is wont to do. Um. And Allie notice. Uh. Pete notices a limo. A limo that's do- that ha- door opens to them. 
this whole thing is very movie scene at this mm-hmm. moment. Like mm-hmm. the twins being like the the occult society comes first and wisp away, and then suddenly there's a car that we notice that's been tailing them, and the the doors unlock as soon as like the person inside notices that Pete has noticed the limo. It's very like it's very, very cinematic like, blacklist. <laughs> tv show and the yeah and the car the car door opens and pete uh specifically says i don't get in the car i peek inside and it's our boy robert moses (laughs) it's our boy it's our man and pete uh pete does not want to get in the car with robert moses they exchange some words and basically uh pete is like says that they're gonna run away basically from the situation because they're just like i'm going to equinox (laughs) yes i'm going to equinox so then robert gets out of the car and and he's like no i like to talk in the town car but i'm happy to i'm happy to go wherever you would like to go to speak with you to be able to get that chance to speak with you which is so interesting it's like robert really is pressing talking to pete he really wants to speak with pete really wants to speak with Pete. It's a little alarming. Well, and he makes a good point that Pete was the one who's trying to track him down. That's true. But still, it's like... And also, of the things that have been said about Pete and to Pete in this episode, I would argue to say that in this moment, Robert is the most respectful. Yeah, that's very true. Just gotta say it. So, um, so they walk and talk for a little bit and Robert kind of points out that he got a, he got like the shit end of the stick, Pete, because Vox, he didn't ask to be the Vox Phantasma and it's a job you're not going to get paid to do, which is not what Robert does. Robert doesn't work. He works to get paid. He doesn't do work that he's not getting paid for. Yeah. Um, so kind of points it out. He's obviously like rubbing elbows with Pete, trying to get in with pete like very like not very obviously but it's like yeah he's trying to get on pete's good side for something um and robert is kind of walking him towards a nightclub um and pete goes inside to the nightclub with robert and it's a vampire nightclub there's vampires and humans and the vampires are the word that came to mind was feasting are feasting on on the humans but not in a way to kill them and Robert points out that all the people, as Brennan describes the humans in this nightclub as looking awful, like looking yeah. so wrecked, Robert says, Everybody's who, everybody who's here wants to be here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Which, well, I mean, it goes to show of like, people will do a lot of things for other things. People do anything to survive. Yes. People absolutely. People will do anything to survive. Yeah. It's like, it, it kind of negates, like, even though you don't want to be there, you want the other thing more than you not wanting to be there and, like, yeah. doing the other thing. Yeah. Um, In a capitalist society where you're not getting your needs met, you got to do what you got to do to make your life better. Ew. And you're a hero at the end of the day for it. Yeah. Um, I 
am very sus about the fact very curious as to why Robert is hanging with the vampires all the time. Why is, because Robert's not a vampire. We know that for a fact. Um, now, here's where I, like, am confused. Because Robert mm -hmm. has camera footage of the secret meeting somehow. Um, in Kingston's house. Yeah, in Kingston's house. I'm like, okay, um... Either there's a mole, like somebody has like betrayed, or like he's got some kind of like surveillance going on. Or as I'm thinking, and this is kind of a weird stretch, because uh, Robert Moses is the master builder. Is he in tune to the buildings of New York City? I, I don't know. Is that going to... Oh, I was like, is that going to tie in? Because that would be super fucking dope. It's like... See, so, you know, like, we're only talking about... You know, when you introduce something about, like, Vox Populi, of, like, the... It's, it's the voice of the people. It's like, okay, but this is New York City. There are other elements in New York City that you could, like, totally do. There could be a Vox, like... Like a master, like the master builder could be the vox, the voice of, of the, the buildings, buildings. Of and like infrastructure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, of infrastructure, and that would just be so fucking dope. Where like he could just like literally go into any building, and like just like know what's going on in a building. I genuinely don't remember if we if if it's ever been said that there's only the vox populi and the vox phantasma. They did. So they did say that those are the only two. I thought so. I thought I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I genuinely don't remember. So, uh, so what I'm saying is that's an interesting theory. I'll also say that, um, other than there being like obviously the like actual real life ways to bug places that could be possible, especially for yes. a man with with money and things like that, there is also a magical way to to uh, to spy on people. It's called scrying. Um, I don't think wizards have scrying, but I would have to check. Okay. Um, but there is a magical way to spy on people as well. So if there's, I could imagine a combination homebrew way for Brennan to, to, you know, make that make sense. Okay. At the end of the day, he has a really damning bit of evidence that Pete's friends are not his friends. And Pete gets pretty upset about it. And at first isn't believing it, um, but is pretty upset. Rightfully yeah. so. And then this is where things get crazy. This is where things go wrong. So, how do I describe We're this We're in moment? the nightclub. We're in the nightclub. We're in and... the nightclub. Robert's like, you know, it's all this kid's fault. It's all the gray child's fault that, like, you've been turned into this. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't it be nice to talk to that gray child? To, like, get to talk to them. To actually talk with them. It's Pete's like, like uh oh Yeah. Pete's like, yeah, it would be nice to talk to them. Do you know how to do that? And and Robert's kind of like, well, you could. And basically, like, turns Pete around to face this mirror where Pete's reflection is replaced. As we've learned so far with Misty and now with this, mirrors are very powerful. Um, so 
turns uh, Pete to face this mirror, Pete's reflection is replaced with the gray child, who has a look of surprise once they see Pete. And rope, uh, a blood rope comes out of, like, Robert's unfurling, like, skin on his arm. And he throws it and wraps it around Nod and pulls the gray baby through the mirror. Um, and Which, what a visual. What a visual. And immediately the gray the gray baby, the gray child, looks not well. This is not a place where this no, entity should it's, be. It's literally the the baby is the, the, the spirit of the dreaming world. Why yeah. would, it's like bringing a fish out of water. It's going like to die. It's like SpongeBob the first time you went to visit Sandy Cheeks. It, it doesn't go well. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm so, just now, I'm just now oh no. imagining the gray baby just starts screaming, I need it. <laughs> well, yeah, man. So Pete immediately acts. Pete jumps to grab the gray baby and cradle it uh and you know uh brendan's kind of asking him about this situation and he's like i it's protection this is all protection i want to protect yeah the, the gray the gray child um and then uh i believe that he, what does pete he casts something what does he cast oh he casts a true strike on to yeah. robert which is a uh basically like you're my target uh, yeah, and damage will do different things to to Robert when he's able. Everybody's to do that. like blown back. Yeah, because uh, Pete wild magic surges. Uh, everybody's blown back. There's like a bright light, and then teleports uh, Nod and Pete to the Lorimer station. Um, Pete has already been texting everyone after seeing the video. Is kind of like, we need to talk. This is where I am. Like trying to get people's attention. Yeah, everybody's everybody been really was responsive, on their way. and then lets them know again that. Never mind, I'm at, I'm off the L train at the Lorimer stop. Um, Which, Siobhan knows the L train very well, because immediately is, like, texting back being like, are we going to Canarsie? Are we going, which, are we going uptown? Are we going downtown? Which side of the tracks are we on? <laughs> like, well, is it sure... the G train? Is it the L train? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, that's a, that is a stop that she knows well, because I believe she used to live off the Yeah, I was stop. like, Siobhan um, definitely lived there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Um, and then uh, Nod says something that absolutely breaks my heart and makes me cry. Nod, like, touches Pete and is like, I knew I chose right when choosing Pete to be the Vox Phantasma. I just love it. I think it's so sweet. I think this is such a sweet moment in an episode that's very frustrating and very, like, very frustrating. And then there's just this really beautiful moment with with Nod. I just think it's lovely. Yeah. Um, so trigger my tears is what I wrote. Um, and then everybody uh, arrives. Um, and the next note I have is the fucking MTA. Because they need these trains to to run love, on time. And I I saw a little bit of the the trailer for the next episode, and I really hope that this is such a cool like combat thing. Is um, Alejandro is uh, using his powers to try to make the MTA work for once and yep. like be on time. 
and it seems like that's going to go in the combat so he's going to need full concentration to get that to work so it's going to be like not only is the combat happening but they're going to need to keep Alejandro safe because he can't help in any way because he's so focused his focus is just on the trains yeah so Alejandro appears with them and is helping them to do that and then the last few things that uh happen in this episode is that Epona appears why was she there why was she around there that was immediately a red flag to me and she's not wearing her normal badge she's wearing Mm -hmm. a badge that is crooked and I don't like it oddly sewn She's acting strangely as well. Um, and Misty attempts to cast Suggestion on Epona, but it fails. And next time we're going to have a rumble on the subway. It was so, like, I'm interested to see what the badge does. Because when Cause she tried to... sucked in the Suggestion, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was flavor for her saving against the spell. Uh-oh. Uh in my opinion, I believe. Um, it's I a hard line to draw the between. The, the, the hard thing is that, like, it's hard to tell when you don't necessarily know all of the rules mechanics behind D&D to know exactly what's flavor and what's real descriptions of things and stuff like that. That, I believe, is flavor. Um, yeah. Although, maybe it could be something else, but I believe it's flavor. Yeah. But yeah. Some tasty flavor. Just add a little spice. Um, A little spicy spice. A little spicy spice. But this was a spicy, role-playing heavy episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. uh, I have one more prediction. Oh, please, share. Because, of course, the minute I heard Robert Moses, I was like, I'm going to look into everything now. (laughs) I Um, was wondering if you were going to do that. One of his biggest accomplishments was... um, Helping with Grand Central Station. Grand mm-hmm. Central Terminal. Mm-hmm. I really hope there's going to be a sick fight in Grand Central. You're not going to tell me anything. I know you're not going to tell me anything. I just hate that it's in silence that we're ending this episode. And that's how it will be. Thanks guys so much for joining us. My name's Heidi. And I am in eternal hell of trying to figure out anything that's going on. I, Bridget. Bye. Bye. Don't tell me, but tell me, but don't tell me, but tell me. Silence. Silence from me is what you'll get. Silence, fool.